0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Aston, founder of the Digital Project Manager. Welcome to the DPM podcast. Whether you're a seasoned project manager, a digital producer, or something else entirely, maybe you just found yourself somehow in charge of managing projects. Just know that today, in your headphones, you're joined by thousands of others in the same boat, trying their best to start, plan, and deliver better projects. We at thedigitalprojectmanager.com are here to help you become more confident and skilled as a project manager. And we're here to connect you with others who are managing and leading projects too. If you really want to level up and take your PM game to the next level, check out our DPM School and be sure to sign up for our Pro Membership to get access to all our curated resources. Finally, While you're listening to the show, please subscribe and join our mailing list on the digitalprojectmanager.com to stay up to date with all that's going on. So if you've ever done a corporate website build, you'll know full well that they're incredibly hard to get right. And partly that's because it's something that doesn't get done very often, but it is more than that. It's unclear objectives. It's a fuzzy brief. It's that tangle of stakeholders and lashings of politics. They all make getting a corporate website done at all, yet alone right, incredibly hard, throw in some technical challenges, and that bright, shiny new website project can turn into a complete disaster. So in today's podcast, we're going to explain how you can do corporate websites builds right and keep listening to get the lowdown on how you can plan, manage, and control your upcoming corporate website project and get it done right. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Aston, founder of The Digital Project Manager, and welcome to the DPM podcast. Whether you're a seasoned project manager, a digital producer, or something else entirely, maybe you just found yourself somehow in charge of managing projects, just know that today in your headphones, you're joined by thousands of others in the same boat, trying their best to start, plan, and deliver better projects we at digitalprojectmanager.com are here to help you become more confident and skilled as a project manager. And we're here to connect you with others who are managing and leading projects too. So if you really want to level up and take your PM game to the next level, check out our DPM school and be sure to sign up for our pro membership to get access to all our curated resources. Finally, while you're listening to the show, please subscribe and join our mailing list on digitalprojectmanager.com to stay up to date with all that's going on. This podcast is brought to you by Clarison, the leader in enterprise project and portfolio management software. Visit clarison.com to learn more. So today I'm joined by Rich Vukovic. Perfect. Have I said that right?
1: You said it perfect.
0: There we go. I practiced. (laughs) Um, So Rich is a project management consultant and he's author of the blog projectzendo.com. So go and check that out. And he also runs project management workshops, all across Texas uh, and check out PMO.com uh, if you're interested in that. We'll touch on that in a minute. But Rich project possesses this unique combination, actually, of leadership positions in project and product management, QAB, business analysis, marketing, and training. He uses Agile and Scrum, and he's got all the letters and certifications that you could possibly want. Uh, PMP, Certified Scrum Master, He's got IBM Rational Unified Process. He's an Amazon and eMarketer certified person. He's got it all. So hi, Rich, and thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I just want to start by kind of digging in actually to all of those qualifications and okay. uh, letters that you have after your name. So some people kind of adopt that idea of, hey, uh, I don't really care about certifications Uh, you've obviously gone the opposite route and got every single one under the sun. So is that based on a a particular passion for learning or what made you decide to go out and be certified in everything?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know about everything, but I mean, I certainly do. I I do have a passion for learning. It's just something that I really like to do. Um, But I think getting a certification just for in project management or or really in in anything in in general, um, I think it just demonstrates a, overall uh, seriousness in, in which you take the profession and, and yeah. uh, you know, keeping up to speed with things. So um, really, uh, you know, besides the PMP, the other certifications, I kind of just acquired more or less as needed for projects. So, you know, for instance, with the AWS certification, if I would be on a project that would, utilizing Amazon web services. You know, I always like to really get into it and dig into the technology so I can do a better job as a PM. And as I did that, I just found out that I liked it and wanted to learn more. And if I'm going to be learning more anyway, it's nice to have a goal to shoot for. So I just uh, kind of make it my goal to get a certification yeah. in it. That. So that's kind of how they.
0: Tell us how you got into project management in the first place then. So clearly you're technically orientated. Um, I don't think there'd be many PMs that I know that have like a, a technical certification like AWS. Sure. But why, how did you start out and get into project management?
1: Well, um, kind of through college, I was a uh, technical support person. So I would answer the phone right when broadband uh was coming out, so I kind of got really in on the on the ground floor, technically in a in a pretty yeah. exciting time. Um, and then, right when I graduated college, I became a business analyst for a large telecommunications company in Chicago, where I was living at the time. And then from there, it uh, just kind of I went into QA and started managing QA and then getting into project management at that company. And then I got my certification and kind of things went on from there.
0: Nice. And so I'm curious, obviously, you kind of went through that, yeah, kind of technical support, QA, and then into project management. Your first day as a project manager, um, you obviously learn lots, lots of lessons, but for, what would you tell your younger self now on your first day in project management, knowing what you know now and sure. thinking about where you were on that first day when you first had that job title, project manager? Yeah. Um, what would you tell yourself?
1: Um, well, I think the most important thing would be that it's not about the tool. I think a lot of project managers get very... Focused on really knowing all the nuances and ins and outs of whatever project management tool they might be using mm-hmm. um, to, you know to, to aid them, but in in my view um, everything that you do the, the the tool is really just a way to um, streamline and automate and assist with managing a process that you really should be able to do with a uh, with a pencil and a piece of paper, so if you're not uh, comfortable managing a project with nothing more than a pen and a notebook, not saying that that's really what you what you should do, but um being a good project manager isn't about being the most knowledgeable on Microsoft Project or any other. PM uh, tool or software. It's it's really it's, it's a lot lot more than that. A lot more of the softer skills, um, and really just having a good understanding of what it is you're trying to accomplish as a PM, rather than yeah. um, you know being an expert on the software.
0: Yeah, definitely. But talking of tools, because I do like tools. <laughs> yeah, yep, me too. But, so what 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 is it, what is in your PM toolkit apart from the a uh, pen and notepad that you mentioned.
1: Sure. Um, well, I think what I has made the biggest difference in my toolkit, besides besides for the you know the project management tool that would that you'd be using, um, would be some sort of collaboration tool. So mm. I, I love Slack. Um, I just find it really simple, easy for people yeah. to, people to use. Um, but I think that makes just a huge difference as opposed to trying to manage things by a flurry of emails or in yeah. Excel documents stored, you know, strewn throughout the company on shared drives that no one can ever find. So um, I like Slack, but really the, the tool itself, kind of like the project management tool, um, you know, the, the concept and the idea is more important than the tool that, that you pick to, to use it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you use any, have you got any integrations with Slack that you find particularly useful to help you with that, with that, you know, enabling yep. that collaboration and, you know, enabling you to actually leverage those softer skills more?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing's popping into my head besides, um, well, you know, some time tracking integrations that I might be using as, as a consultant. Um, you know, the companies that I'll work for usually have some sort of standards that we need to adhere to. So although the time management, for instance, software itself that you would integrate with Slack might change, you know, uh, again, having that integrated somehow is good, but what really I found beneficial in Slack is understanding the, uh, keyboard shortcuts. That's just, that's just made mm. such a, such a world of difference, um, you know, knowing. Give us you know,
0: your I. favorite shortcut.
1: Oh boy! See, now you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I almost, I, almost <laughs> uh, I, I see. It seems like I know them instinctively. Like my, my fingers know, know them. you but, probably uh, do, but my brain doesn't. You can't quote them, but you do know <laughs> yep. your, the hand gesture. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's kind of like my phone number. I have, some, I have a hard, I have a hard time sometimes telling people what my phone number is, but not a hard not a hard time dialing it if I need to.
0: <laughs> yeah no that's funny but going back to your point your point was though that it's not about the tools and we've now started talking about tools so let's go back to your point which was hey you know good project management isn't about the tools um tell us more about what for you then you you've discovered uh that art of project management being and how you leverage those soft skills uh to deliver better projects
1: sure Well, I mean, when I say soft skills, certainly, you know, um, soft skills like, you know, communication and uh, things like that are important, but really, I guess, besides soft skills, uh, maybe a better way to say it would be to understand the, at, at a conceptual level, what the, what a project manager is there to do and how a project is supposed to run um, ideally yeah. ideally at least so that you can focus on the things that are essential and not things that are really just a, a waste of time so you know really when you go through the course of a project um, you know there's a, a few big buckets of things that I think you should be focusing on and then there's tasks that you would have to do or you should do underneath those or at least you could do um, but really you need to identify what your requirements are. And you need to make sure that um, both the business and, you know, if it's an IT project or a website project, that the technical team, that there's a mutual understanding with the with the requirements and what they are and what they mean. And you need to ensure that uh, testing takes place and that uh, defects are managed in some way. And just a, a lot of the more higher Level, um, you know, what would usually be represented as summary tasks in a in a project plan, um, that you're really understanding what the greater goal is and why you're why you're doing those things. I mean, I I kind of say that if if you can't if you can't write a tweet about why you're why you're filling out a document or why you're doing what you're doing, you should probably stop and get clear yeah. on why it is you're doing that because. Um, oftentimes if you don't know why you're doing it, you can't do it well and you 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 might not need to be doing it at all.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I mean let's let's dive into your um uh, this this topic about managing corporate website bills. And we just published a post on how corporate website projects go wrong. A cheat sheet for project managers. So check it out if you haven't read it yet on the digitalprojectmanager.com. And here's the reality, it is tough. Corporate website projects are really difficult. So corporations, hire agencies, consultants, they need outside assistance, uh, whether or not that's, you know, to make a significant update, maybe migrate to a cloud, um, implement a new CMS, integrate with some digital marketing tools. But due to the nature of these projects, um, corporate websites normally don't happen very often. Because, you know, by very nature of uh, a website build, maybe every three to five years, people do these big projects. Uh, and that often means that the people involved in them aren't very experienced at it. And maybe they only you know manage this once or twice in their career. So uh, it's challenging. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, there's lots of stakeholders, unclear briefs, politics, um, and then technical challenges too so uh yeah if you haven't checked out rich's article go and have a read but i want to talk about this process how we can how we can streamline the process and you know building on what rich was just talking about there with you know knowing having this awareness of the things that need to happen uh in order for this to be a success so but let's start though by kind of digging into why this is so hard and maybe you can share an example or a story of of how this has gone wrong for you in the past and maybe I'll do the same.
1: (laughs) Sure. Um, Well, as far as how how things have gone wrong, I think one of the big lessons that I took away more early in my career was to, I guess I'll say trust but but verify. So, um, you know, there were a lot of times where um, project resources would say that they had completed a task when really what they meant to say was that uh, they planned on completing the task or that, you know, it, right. it, it was on their to-do list. And then as, as happens, other things would come up and it would get forgotten or swept under the rug. And um, some of these items uh, aren't very evident until you might go to production, unfortunately. So uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned early on um, and then go, yeah. going back to the uh, how I mentioned slack before uh, cl- collaborating well with large teams, especially on big projects or on projects where the resources are geographically distributed, so we're not all all in the same same place um that's that's really been been key to me, um, especially knowing that the larger a project is the less that you can rely on one or two people having heroic efforts that that pull things pull things out in the end so uh you know like you said on a corporate website project someone a consultant uh, like myself you know I might go to a different company a few times a year or, or what have you and work on projects like this and so You know, I've probably worked on a couple dozen of these types of projects, but when you think about a system or network administrator at a corporation that has been there for 15 years, they might have only done something like this once, maybe twice tops in the decade, decade and a half that they've been there. So even though it's something that I might do a few times a year, it isn't something that they do hardly at all. So um, even though it might seem rather routine to a lot of people, hmm. uh, you know, to many corporate resources. It, it isn't, isn't routine at all. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll share one um, story of it going wrong. <laughs> so okay. I was working on a corporate website project a few years ago and um, the challenge that we had was just it really comes down to alignment in the brief and, It turned out, and and this really comes down to stakeholder management, and I think this often happens with a corporate website project where the person who has been tasked with managing the the project internally um, didn't necessarily uh, collate all of the insights that they should have done from their team. So basically, they'd written a brief. uh, They hadn't got it signed off, or if they had got it signed off, it hadn't really been reviewed properly. And so we went ahead... We designed the website, we built the website, and then we we've discovered just before we were about to go live that there was a part in the process, in the, in the governance structure of the project, there was an additional layer of approval that we weren't aware of at all throughout the entire project. And so it came to be, we were told, hey, well, we just need our founder and president to approve it now before we go live. And we were like, oh. Oh, you didn't really mention that before. And it turned out the founder and president was the real boss. And they had some, they had some very clear ideas about what they wanted and didn't want that were foundational to the entire project. And of course, then we had a really sticky conversation where we had to say, look, I'm sorry, but um, this wasn't in the brief. This wasn't in the group. You signed off right the way through this project. And now the founder and president is not happy. And so everyone else is not happy. Right. And uh, yeah, it, well, it ended up we had to issue them a massive change request. But then they were upset. Yeah. They were they were upset with the fact that we, um, I, I, I don't know, they were upset with the fact that they had to pay more money. <laughs> yeah. uh, and obviously that kind of soured the relationship. Sure. Um, but it came down to us maybe being culpable in as much as we didn't push hard enough about that kind of governance structure right at the beginning of the project so that as it went through, we should have been pushing to get take the project more slowly and get it approved right the way up the chain to the very, very top and uncovered that. Okay, what needs to happen before we go live and really understand all those steps? I think that was the big learning for me. Right.
1: And that can be really difficult, especially in a larger corporation where you might have you know, um, a dozen or so, uh, stakeholders identified on the project, but all of those stakeholders, they are, they all have a boss and usually those bosses have a boss and so on and so forth. And, uh, when, when a big enough boss, uh, sees a website change that they, that they don't like, they, you know, they, they can override decisions that were made before. So that can be something that can get a little tricky.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the lessons for me was explaining the consequence of that. So now I'll say, hey, OK, well, let's kind of map out the stakeholders and uh, we'll do a race based on the, you know, the different milestones of this project. Um, but just so we're clear, um, if if we're saying this person really is the person who's, you know, going to be the one who's signing stuff off if they have to go on the final say, and then we find out later that we have to go back, then there's going to be an impact on cost, on the timeline. So, you know, say now. um, if you, if you, uh, all we're going to have consequences later. So just being really clear about, you know, you could just play that. And I think this is what often happens. Like it will be the marketing team who will be responsible for it. And then they'll assign it to a junior marketing person. And then, uh, that person will be like, okay, well, I'll just loop in sure. my boss. I was right. like, mm, well, probably we should loop in some right, more right. people here. Yep. Yeah. But talk us through that high level process. And so how do we go from a, you know, a corporate client saying, Hey, I need a new corporate mm-hmm. website um, to, you know, da da, it's sure. done. Uh, what for you, you mean you were talking about these kind of major buckets, those summary tasks in your project plan. So, what what does that look like for you? And I know you you're a big proponent of agile, you've got your Scrum certification. Mm-hmm. How does your awareness of that play into a corporate website project when, you know, a more gated approach maybe makes more sense because of the approvals sure.
1: needed? Well, I think at the highest level, really, the first thing that I want to make sure that we do is identify what the actual goals are of the of the project or the or the website. Sometimes there is a merger or an acquisition and you're integrating two websites together. Sometimes it's a redesign or a rebranding. Sometimes you're implementing a new content management system. And depending on what those goals are, that's going to drive a lot of the subsequent tasks on the project. But once that's identified, then I like to move on to user stories. And I think this is something that um a lot of uh design or website projects overlook, but most companies aren't going to be serving everyone under the sun. You can they can usually identify there's a few different customer avatars, we call them. So a uh, different types of people that will be uh, viewing the website. Maybe there are people that are going to be making a purchase or people that are there for information or they're existing customers and they want to do a reorder or whatever the case may be. But each of those types of users or user avatars are going to have different goals on the website. They're going to be looking for different information. They're going to have a different level of knowledge. They're going to take different paths through the website more than likely and what the ultimate goal is for the user and the company will vary dependent upon what that user avatar is. So by identifying those and kind of writing out what they're, why they're visiting the website and what they're hoping to do, that helps drive the next part of the the project, which is designing the site hierarchy and the structure. So you really want to limit the number of, Clicks that it takes a user to get someplace. You don't want to have what they're looking for buried twenty pages deep in the website because they'll never find it, or they'll get frustrated, and it's just not good for a lot of reasons, uh, SEO reasons, and, and whatnot. But so that's kind of the next layer that we I like to look at is taking the user stories and using that to drive what the site structure will be. Then. Once that is laid out and you know what the hierarchy is, then we try to look at content and how that content will be managed. On a smaller website that might only have, let's say, less than 50 pages, it's not really as big of a deal and it can be managed pretty easily. But when you're getting into a uh, redesign or a CMS change of a enterprise level a corporate website, they might have thousands of web pages. In which case, knowing mm-hmm. what content is going to stay, which is going to get updated or deleted or merged, that's a significant, significant undertaking. And that's one of the that's one of the places where tools can can really help because you don't want to have two or three thousand you know right. word documents stuck out there in a in a folder somewhere. Yeah. And then only after those things are taken care of, do I really start to worry about the technical aspects of the project, because those are fairly static. Um, I mean, there are differences as you go from one company to another based upon infrastructure and CMS and all those types of things. But you can get all the technical stuff perfectly. But if those other things aren't thought of in advance, and you're not really reaching the goals and serving the goals of the customer and you don't have the website organized in a way that is user friendly and that makes sense and the right content isn't there, then the technical parts don't matter if the higher, higher yeah. order items aren't, aren't thought through and taken care of.
0: Yeah. Cool. So for you, yeah, the, the, the important thing is right up front, defining that brief, uh, deci- defining those, the objectives for the, the site, identifying the key, uh, personas or archetypes um and then creating that architecture that site architecture the information architecture the i a to enable um people who are using the site to be able to use it effectively um and then there's a a design phase uh where we're you know creating those wireframes and uh and the design components. Do you typically do that as a, you know, a parallel work stream? I'm just thinking for people who are kind of listening, thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, well, this sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. We've got like this discovery planning design phase before we get to build. Um, what are your kind of hacks for running things in parallel, speeding things up, but also making sure that you do it right?
1: Well, I guess I, I try not to use too many hacks, um, because you know in, in in my view the the planning makes such a huge difference on how quickly the project proceeds later. it's, it's one of those things where if you don't if you don't yeah. have time to do it right you're not going to have time to to do it over but um, that yeah. said you, you certainly can do a lot of it in parallel and, and really it all should be done in parallel to one degree or another so you know wh- while you're working through what the overarching goals are of the website. In an existing company, you usually pretty well know who your customers are and what types of people are going to be visiting the website. And you can start doing those user stories. And as you go through that, you can start uh, making some notes on what the site structure will be. And if you're redesigning an existing site, it probably makes sense to use that existing site structure as a starting point and see where it might be able to be Improved, and then there might be you know yeah. a, a content team where you might have different uh, departments within the within the company. You know, sales might have content, and HR will have content, and you know whatever other groups there might be, and you know they can start going through and reviewing their content and deciding what they want to uh, merge together, or get rid of, or update. So all those things, like you know, they they can all kind of be snowballed together into into one fell swoop, but I almost forgot one of the second part of your your question there was how do I utilize agile or scrum or iterative uh, Mm. approaches given all that. And I think that what that really helps with is what we were talking about before. And with the the stakeholder management, to me, you really want to get something that uh, the stakeholders and whoever the decision maker is can see and actually take a, a look at with their, with their own eyes is, as soon as possible um, because I found that there's a lot of uh, organizational leaders that might not want to be involved in the day-to-day of the project. And it, you know, it's, it's, probably appropriate that, that they're not, but you know, when yeah. you uh, schedule something where they're actually going to be able to sit down and see progress and view the website on, you know, up on a, up on a screen, that's something that they'll show up for. And that's when you're going to get a lot of your good feedback. And the earlier you get that the better because you don't want to uh, you don't want to make a design design decision that's going to cascade throughout the rest of the website and then find out at the end that it isn't something that uh, you know a C level person yeah. wanted. So sometimes a, a more gated approach is better but in my experience usually not. Yeah.
0: And I, th- I think one of the things that can be really helpful as well um, is user testing. We, we've talked about this corporate in the corporate website build. One of the key things we do is identify those personas right at the beginning of the project. Who are we building this for? And I think in a corporate website project, something that very quickly gets mixed up in this is, okay, well... Yes, this website has a role to play in stroking the ego of whoever needs yeah. whoever's ego needs to be stroked and that is an objective of the project. It may be uh, it may just be implicit but in some way it needs to be codified in some way. But the the point of creating these archetypes or these personas at the beginning of the project is that we really align with the clients on why we're doing the project and the objective of it. So on most corporate website projects what you'll have is somebody saying somewhere hey well on the homepage, the most important thing is for us to tell everybody about um the great thing that our ceo just ceo just did he just um has been at the company for 15 years and we want to tell everybody about it it's like well okay why do you need to tell everybody right. about that um when you are a i don't know <laughs> you're a broadband company or whatever you sure. might be but someone or for that will be the most important thing because hey if they can make the ceo look good then um they're gonna get a promotion <laughs> and a pay rise. Right. Right. so there's there's explicit goals and then these implicit goals and the beauty of the personas is that it helps us channel some of that decision making uh as to you know why we're putting things where we're putting them uh and then the the then we have this second step, which is user testing. And one of the things that we can do to help mitigate against the risk of stakeholders making poor judgments is by having user testing. So we say, hey, here are our personas. Let's go and test what we've just created with our personas. And we give them some specific tasks like, hey, so you want to get uh, a new broadband package. Uh, how do you do it? And then we show them the site and the IA and the wireframes. And we say, now you go and try and find the right package for you. You're willing to spend fifty bucks a month, go. And they're like, hey, well, I can see this big thing about the CEO and how they've done 15 years, uh, but I can't see how to configure my broadband package. And then you're like, okay, well now you've got something to go back to the uh the corporate team and say, um, I think we should probably change that banner on the homepage to be about broadband uh configurator not the ceo so that's a right, crazy, right, crazy example right. no no it's, it's a great it's
1: a great example and that sort of thing happens happens all the time and i think that when you're going through user testing something that's really important is to make sure that the users that you bring in are really representative of those customer avatars that you identified earlier you know if you are a, uh, I don't know if you're a selling homeowners insurance on your website you you know you don't want to bring in uh, people for user testing that don't own a home or that are teenagers you want to make sure that the people that you're bringing in are actual uh, good samples of who's going to be using the site I see that in a lot of companies, they'll use their own internal employees for for user testing. And that's usually just a a terrible idea because people that work within the company, they're much more familiar with um, how the business works, what the goals are, what the the industry jargon is. And you don't want to go through a, a bunch of user testing and think that everything is is looking, looking great and the site's easy to use. And then when you roll it out, the general public has no idea what the word broadband really means. So they're not going to ever click that link in the navigation and they're going to get confused and upset and click the back button and go to a competitor that used a a word like, you know, high speed internet, for instance. So I, I think that's something really, really important to keep in mind.
0: Definitely, so we've just spent a long time talking <laughs> about the you know the the discovery planning design portion um but now let's talk about build. I know you're obviously have got a lot of experience in the technical aspects of managing a corporate website, and you know the truth is that designing sites right is really tricky and getting them to Perform on those objectives that we set at the beginning. The goals of the website. The design is critical. It's really important that we get that right. And if we're interested in cre- increasing conversions, um, if we're interested in hitting our KPIs, then the design has got to be right. But there's a there's a obviously a gap between the design being right and the site working functionally as it should, as it was designed to be. So talk us through your, kind of your top tips for managing. Uh, the build process in a in a corporate website project? What are the kind of things that uh, you think a PM who's managing a project like this for the first time, what are some of the, the big things that they should consider when managing a team of developers?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is you know, what we talked about earlier, is that the developers on the project um, usually aren't going to have a great deal of experience in uh, this particular area uh, or at least in the in the migration once they probably have experience in, in managing the website once it's running but in some of the other technical details they might not so I mean there, there's a, a couple things that I've just found through experience that these are really what I try to keep an eye on because if something's going to be overlooked or done a little bit incorrectly it's probably in one of these areas so one of them is with uh, HTTPS redirection. So, you know, you, almost all sites, especially all corporate sites now are going to be secure sites so that the traffic is is mm-hmm. encrypted. But you, you really want to make sure that um, if a customer... Types in HTTP or doesn't type in the HTTPS or doesn't navigate to the site via a, a link, that uh, that request is routed to the secure version of the page, and this is something that I've seen just messed up a lot of a lot of different times and a lot of a lot of different ways. And you really want to make sure that the URL is being rewritten the the right way, um, because if it isn't, sure. you end up having uh, at least in search engine's eyes, two different versions of the site. You have the HTTP version, and then you have the HTTPS version, and that can create problems with duplicate content. And then also when you're going to look at your analytics, it will almost always be tracking those two different versions of the page independently, and it's very difficult to tie conversion actions and everything else together Um you know, yeah. when you're, when you're not doing, doing that right. So that's kind of the, one of the things that I see done, uh, not right quite a bit. Uh, another thing that I see is that when it comes time to launch the site and we need to update DNS, which is really it's the, the system that allows a website name like Google to be translated into an IP address. So it can actually be, be found out, uh, out on the web. So we'll come time to go live. And the person that is supposed to be making those DNS updates doesn't have access to the registrar. Um, usually that that's right. really restricted information, you know, because someone that ha- that has access to the uh, root level domain for a company that, that should be held held. Yeah. yeah should be held held, held <laughs> to your um, best but you want to make sure that the people have the right to access that they need to to do that work. And then you want to make sure that the project team, especially the leadership uh, understands at least the the basic concept of after a DNS change takes place, that there's going to be some period of propagation as those changes get um, reflected on servers all, all across the internet. So what I try to avoid is, um, Going live and sending out an email to stakeholders saying, you know, hooray, we've we've made all the updates, and then you know, we get a whole yeah. bunch of emails saying, oh, it you know it's broken, it does it, it doesn't work for me, and really, it, it's going to work in fifteen minutes. It's just that those changes haven't haven't propagated yet. So uh, that helps cut off a lot of unnecessary panic on on launch day.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So those are all like great kind of go live um, tips that I think are so important that you think about well in advance of go live day. And I think what can often happen is we have this, we're kind of immersed in the development process and we know, okay, well, we're going live in two weeks. And then, you know, the day before maybe you start trying to think, okay, can we actually like, you know, redirect, the dns can we can we make these updates um and uh and then you find out oh no no one knows what the login is and the person who knows it has gone away on holiday so thinking about all these kind of things uh is really great advice if you're thinking about launching your corporate website but i want to go back to that development process and in terms of managing developers where you know we've got this we've gone through the design process before we go live Obviously, the thing needs to be built out somehow. And in terms of managing developers, so for someone who's not technical, so the kind of project managers who are great at managing that kind of user experience design process might not be so strong at managing developers. So in that situation where, I mean, and you talked about this right at the beginning, where you said, hey, well, the developer told me that it was done, but it was kind of, he meant to do it, but it's right. not done yet. How do you manage developers when you can't really see what they're doing? Sure. In terms, you know, They're writing lines of code. You're the PM asking if they've done it. They say yes, what they're meant is not yeah. quite. How do you manage that?
1: Well, that's one of those things where I think an iterative approach comes in especially useful. Um, and that's just because you'll have the opportunity to actually see something working or not working in a demo right up there right up there on your screen. So that would probably be my my first recommendation because that's going to help you um, get in front of any issues or problems or you'll be able to very quickly see if things are progressing as they should be and how you're being told that they are or whether they're not. And then the other thing that I, I really can't can't stress enough is um, not having big gaps in between um Meetings and and updates. Now, I, I I don't want to meet right. just for the just for the sake of meeting, but I think doing at, at least if not daily, every every other day, just a five minute stand up meeting to keep things on track is really really helpful. Uh, you know, and and that's something that's really common in the in the Scrum framework, but really it's not exclusive to that. There's no reason why it, it can't be use no matter what approach you're taking to development but just the more things can stay top of mind and frequently checked in on and issues resolved um really that that's that's going to be your your best bet to make sure things stay on track
0: yeah and i think i think there's a really valid point so momentum is important important making sure that you know things keep going that we keep on having demos that we keep on seeing okay okay Let's try and build something. Let's have something build. So by the end of the week, we want to do a build and see something working so that we can evaluate it. Um, So having that regular cadence of builds. And you might say, okay, well, the developer might say, hey, well, it's just the nav bar. I've only built the nav bar. Okay, well, let's see it working. And then when they demo it, you'll say, okay, so... It's working, um, but I just tested it on my phone and it's not working. So we need to get that fixed. So picking up those issues early is really important. And then having those, so that regular cadence of um, the sprint demo or showing the work in progress. And then there's regular daily caps-ups as well. So you're saying, hey, what did you guys do yesterday? What's the plan for today? Any blockers that I can help you with? Those are Those are ways that we can mitigate against that kind of uh the fog of development when developers just go away and build stuff and then we expect it all to be done six weeks later and we find out that it's not quite right so um yeah some some great advice there but for those people half listening in the car and they're thinking hey okay well you've just talked through that kind of discovery planning design development we've talked about go live um, there's a right, there 's right. a lot here to remember and kind of get your head around what 's one simple takeaway uh, or, or one piece of advice that you say hey if you 're about to manage or you' you 're in the middle of a corporate website build um, what 's one thing that we should all remember? How can we make sure that these projects are going to be successful when it 's in terms of managing and controlling them because I think even if we do start them off right. Um, we can plan them and, you know, things can be on track, but kind of keeping on track of the budget and the schedule, what's your, I want to know a tip for managing and controlling what, what's worked for you. You know, we've talked about daily stand-up sprint reviews, but how do you, how do you kind of keep the team making sure that they're on track and keeping control of
1: everything? I think it's really a, uh, combination of a lot of what we've already Talked about, um, so it's having good collaboration and using a tool if you can to help facilitate that. Um, you know the daily standups are great and important, and that will help get in front of, of yeah. a lot of issues. But um, really, that's just another means of, of collaborating, and the tighter the f- you can get that feedback loop, the you know the better. So you know the beauty of an agile approach is that that feedback loop is broken down into let's say. Two week chunks in between of where you're where you're demoing something something real, um, but then you can break that down into the daily stand ups where you're not demoing things, but at least you're um, getting updates and feedback and tightening up that loop even more. And then when you're using a tool such as uh, Slack or another collaboration tool, you know now you can. You can get ahead of yeah. those things instead of someone having feeling that they need to wait until the next day or you know two weeks from now um, to bring up an issue. They can bring it up right then, and it's a very low friction way to facilitate that. Um, so I think that would probably be my, my biggest my biggest thing. You know the yeah the other the other thing that I'll I'll just mention that we haven't talked about yet is that before you go live, making sure that you, um, crawl the site for broken links that really, that, uh, that identifies a lot of problems that that, that people just, yeah. just don't seem to catch. So that's just such an, a, an easy thing for, for people to do. And I just, I rarely see it done and, and I don't know why, but as a, as a PM, you know, the, the week before go live, I just make sure, um, I, I go and, and run a, uh, run a crawl on on the website to see if there's any broken links, because then you can, you can tell from that whether how the, how the coding was done or whether there's an organizational problem in the, in the website or a technical issue. And it just, it's a very easy way to uncover a lot of, a lot of big problems. What have you got any tips on what, uh, what do you use to crawl? Um, I mean, not really. They all kind of, kind of work the same. I would just go on, go online and just, you know, look up a, well, yeah, yeah, link so check or something like that. Out. You know, and, and it depends on whether you're um, building a brand new site or a redesign, and whether or not you need something that can run from inside the network or outside the network. So th- th- there's some nuances, but um, you know, those are kind of the the smaller smaller things. Just however you need to, however you need to do it, just try and make try and make sure that you do it because it's it's a it's a big win.
0: Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Rich, for joining us. And I think um, I think the most valuable um, thing that I think we've been really talking about, we, we spent a long time think, talking about that early part of the project, about getting the brief right, about getting the jo- goals <laughs> and objectives clearly defined yeah. at the beginning of the project, uh, because everything else flows from that. And then what we haven't talked about, but is an, an important aspect of the project It's Hey, after this goes live, um, there's, there's normally a phase where we uh, evaluate how it's doing. And if we've kept our eye on those goals uh, throughout the project, it's much easier. Like we'll find that it delivers results and then that, you know, it delivers ROI, it delivers value. So starting it right is really, really important. So thank you Thanks, Rich, so much for that. Uh, it's, oh, it's been, been great, great having with you with us. So, so I wonder what you think. What are your hacks, tips, and tricks for site builds? Uh, what have you found that works and what doesn't work? If you've got any fail stories uh, or wins, tell us it in the comments below. And if you want to learn more and get ahead in your work, come and join our tribe with DPM membership. Uh, you'll find in there all kinds of good resources, including uh, we have project plans for big site builds, uh, in using different methodologies using sprints or using a more waterfall approach so come and check it out the digital forward slash membership you'll get access to our slack team templates workshops office hours ebooks and more and if you like what you heard today please subscribe take a couple of minutes to leave us an honest review and thanks for listening until next time take care